This is a regular look at the wonderful world of films, film fr- no, yep, film franchises, and film nonsense. This is what episode ninety-five now. Yeah. Do you, do you want to try again? I know you're not gonna. I will. No, this is this is the intro. No, you son of a bitch. Are you gonna bark all day? Just a figment of your imagination. Here's Johnny! You are a sad, strange little man. These guys were at it. Don't fail me again. Rosebud. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Popcorn Bucket Podcast with Ben and Rob. This is a regular look at the wonderful world of films, film franchises and film nonsense. This week is a one-shot episode where we pick a topic and choose a standalone film to discuss with full spoilers which isn't connected to a sequel, spin-off or prequel and hope that the other hasn't picked it and that we have chosen wisely and uniquely. This week, the random popcorn maker of film topics has popped out 2013. 2013 was designated as the International Year of Water Corporation and the International Year of uh, Quinoa, which no matter how much I still read it as quinoa, but you know. Yeah, they didn't do themselves any favours with the spelling of that. American scientists use a 3D printer to create a living lab-grown ear. And Rockstar Games released Grand Theft Auto V for the first and not the final time. Oh, God. Do you know it's got a current-gen release? Yes. Uh, New English words released that year was bingeable, and the word of the year was selfie. It was also the year in which Fallout Boy reformed. Hell yeah. The Postal Service and Neutral Milk Hotel. Who bands I've heard, but I don't think I know any songs from. Hmm. You know Fallout Boy, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Sorry, the Neutral Neutral, neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah, I don't know. No. But I know that does name. sound like a band you'd be into. It does. Yeah, they're always like a, uh, almost like a go-to generic indie joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Main Street Preachers released Rewind the Film in 2013. And Top Gun, Jurassic Park, and The Wizard of Oz were re-released in 3D. Oh, yes. The biggest film of the year was Frozen, in terms of box office, followed by Iron Man 3, Despicable Me 2, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, The Hunger Games Catching Fire, Fast and Furious 6, Monsters University, Gravity, Man of Steel, and Thor The Dark World. Oof. That's, yeah, I mean, people are talking about how Things are ruled by sequels and whatever. That's that's a pretty bleak picture right there. The only oh, let's not to say. I mean, Frozen, Frozen good. and Gravity. Yeah. Oh no, and some of I'm, them, some of them I really like. I really like Iron Man three. But yeah. what I'm saying is, they're all based on things. They're all part of a yes. franchise. Yeah. They're all you know, like yeah, you know, yeah. Frozen wasn't, but now is a franchise. And Gravity, yeah, yeah. They haven't done a Gravity two. No. Terminal Velocity. Well, they did do the that little. I can't remember what it was called, but there was a short, wasn't there, that Alfonso Cuaron son did. Oh, really? It was. It was basically it was a story from you know in the in the, in the film when Sandra Bullock radios home, and she 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 gets a she gets a reply, but it's not um it's 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 not someone speaking English, and she can hear dogs in the background. Mm. It's that point. It's it's the other side of that. Oh, uh, we're often talking about those things that they, those would make interesting. Sort of companion piece movies and things. We were talking about that with uh, Delta Tomorrow. Yes, like yeah. we wanted to see the stories of the other people on the rooftops, or yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. S- speaking of the day after tomorrow, last time we had weather as our topic. 
And we did. We put it to you, the people, who made the best choice. Our options were Noah and the day after tomorrow. And people said no to Noah. Yeah, I know. I saw the I saw the thing. I think was I one of the only people who voted for Noah? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. You're going to burn in hell. Well, it was cold in the day after tomorrow. Which one with 73% of the vote? Suggestions for people's favourite weather films. Twister is a classic. Snowpiercer. And I know it's a franchise, but any of the Ice Age films. We did talk about Ice Age. We did. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I saw it. It wasn't going my way. But, you know, that's, that's what I get for for tapping into my my spiritual side. You know, it's fine. So they didn't like what Jesus said when he was about either. So 2013, we've already covered a lot of these films. Mm. Inside Lewin Davis, The Wolverine, Gravity. uh, Oblivion a bit. Yeah, a bit of Oblivion. You did Rush on a non-ed podcast yeah didn't i didn't want properly. to i didn't want to revisit that yet filth so i just talked to you again so <laughs> yeah yeah so many so many, so many that, that we covered i think it's it i guess it's one of our most visited years yeah your suppose, next was also 2013 oh yeah um i suppose because we've uh, done quite a few franchises like quite a few modern franchises as well mm yeah yeah it was actually i i i'm denado about this one um because i was like do i uh that's brilliant stuff man um don't say ah because i will actually stab you (laughs) it's difficult to pick something that we haven't touched on at all really i mean there are lots of films out there obviously but you tend to kind of want to go for something that you feel you can say something about or something that, you know, and, and so despite the fact that we didn't broadcast, not, I don't think there was anything particularly wrong with the thing. I think maybe it was technical gremlins. That I one that I did. Was, I think it was technical gremlins. Yeah. Cause rush versus Chaplin, Chaplin. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Our biopic one. Um, that does mean we can still do bi- uh, biopics as a subject. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I will I will want to talk about Rush, whether it's me doing it or you doing it. Just Rush, I really like as a film, but I wanted I so I wanted to do that. I kind of wanted to do Oblivion, but we kind of said we needed yeah, to say about I Oblivion. I Same. think you know we kind of we kind of covered that, and and I was like, oh, I don't know what to go for. I do I really feel like don't. I'm getting Cruise withdrawal symptoms because it's been about ten episodes we've not done Tom it, Cruise. It's film. been a while. It's it's been it's been a hot minute since some Cruise. So with this one. I thought, okay, I'm going to have to... I got it down to a short list. I've made a guess of what you've gone for. Go on. A film we saw together, based on, um, and I'm based on films I know you own. I wondered if you've gone for Only God Forgives. Close. That was on the short list. Uh, because I still don't like the narrative about that. The fact that some people, I think Empire put it on their best and worst of <laughs> that year. And it does not belong on the worst of it. It's weird and whatever. But no, we saw that together and, and we, we we had a good old chin streaky time, didn't we? 
I did my uh, most self-satisfied tweet ever of that. Which was what? My one-word review of uh, that film is just Hansy. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Pretty no, pleased it's... with myself. <laughs> so you should be. No, it's it's a it's a good movie. It's not one that I stick on all the time, but it's it, if I'm in a weird mood, I've, I've watched it quite a few times. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's an odd odd movie, but uh, I like it. I think I've got the piece of music, the well, the the the, the song of uh, "Wanna Fight." Wanna Fight, yeah. yeah, which was a great piece of music, isn't it? Mm. No, it's really good. I I I won't hear too much against Only God Forgives. Those those types of movies need to be allowed to exist <laughs> as a thing. So no, I didn't go for that. I went for something considerably broader. Norfolk broader. I've gone for Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa. That was soft rock cocaine enthusiast Fleetwood Mac. And this was Alan Partridge. Love that noise. I was having a fascinating conversation with Norfolk's most suntanned child, just passed his details onto the social services. Alan will be taken over. So, Pat, no one's getting sacked. Just gave me 30 minutes to clear out my locker. Uh. Hello? Huh? There's only one person Pat, he's willing to talk to. You. Cool. Will you help us? Guys, none of us choose the hand we're dealt. We do need an answer, I'm afraid. Why do you have another siege to go to? Alan's coming in now. Welcome to Big School. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Alan Partridge. My partner in crime. Oh, guest. You are the face of this siege. I am Siege Face. He's broadcasting from the siege. Keep it light. Okay, tonight we'll be asking, have you ever met a genuinely clever bus driver? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we saw that together as well. We did, we did. So, yeah, Alan Partridge. I mean, I think pretty much every British person knows Alan Partridge as a character. It's the only bit of Alan Partridge I've seen, is that film. Oh, you're missing out, mate. There are so many good things. I'm Alan Partridge is a, is an amazing sitcom. I don't do well, as we've discussed oh, yeah, before. I don't cringe. do well with like, cringy comedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and it, it, it is that. It is that. For our international listeners, of which there are several, uh, if you don't know who Alan Partridge is, he's a comedy character played by Steve Coogan. And he's been in numerous, numerous things since the 90s, I think. the first Because I thought the first thing was the day-to-day, but it's actually uh, on the hour, which is... Yeah, the radio yeah. show that preceded the day-to-day. Yeah, that char- the character has been going since 1991. He's been on the radio, He's he's had television shows, he had a TV show sort of thing which was more like a, a a very inept chat show called knowing me knowing you with ellen partridge and then you had a sitcom after that because the the show failed after a, an on-stage fatality and so i am alan partridge picks up when he is living in a travel lodge somewhere uh and and trying to get his way back to what he considers you know the 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 A list, but is you know he's 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 a parody of all sorts of TV personalities. You know, you you kind of your Terry Wogans, Richard Madeley, I think is one that's brought up a lot. 
And to an extent, Piers Morgan. I think Piers, there's part, he kind of predates Piers Morgan, but as as like a thing, it's got that same sort of awkward comedy to it. And there's something, there's something so good about the Alan Partridge character, and it, it, it's it's kept me kind of like entertained for decades now. And because there's there's something very very human about him. He's just he's like what we what we are without a filter, or if we didn't think about what we say half the time. Or I get the thing when I'm nervous, I I make jokes. I try and you know try and break the tension with jokes, and that's not always suitable. It can be quite awkward and quite cringy and whatever. And and that's what the Alan Partridge thing is really. He's such an interesting character, and it it's. It's really interesting to sort of see how the character has actually changed because while the core is still the same, the the actual the actual things he's done. I mean, you know, as I said, we had knowing me, knowing you. Then I'm Alan Partridge. Then they had Mid Morning Matters, which I think was a Sky thing, and then he had a, an autobiography, I Partridge. We need to talk about Alan, um, and that is a very very funny book and in that he reveals that he was born in the same hospital i was born in the queen elizabeth hospital in king's lynn so yeah and he's he's kind of you know he's associated with norfolk as as a thing there's there's something there is something so brilliant about the alan partridge character i mean it, it's interesting to me that you've only seen the film and what did you, what did you think of the character as as a as a character I know of him, and he's probably one of the, uh, I guess, most recognisable UK comic characters, sort of up there with Basil Fawlty and Blackadder, mm. I think. David Brent being, um, yeah. Yeah. We do like cringe in this country, don't we? We, um, we do. I think I think it's, it's a strange thing. I think Stephen Fry said it kind of best when he talked about how US comedies, they tend to like the the people with the quick witticisms and the sort of heroes type thing. Whereas we actually kind of love a loser. We we like someone yeah. someone who yeah. who is kind of shat on by the world a little bit. And and yeah. we I know that we we seem to appreciate eccentrics a lot more. So that's why there's something like keeping up appearances when you've got Hyacinth Bouquet. And and uh, Patricia Rutledge doing that kind of really funny kind of thing, but she's an eccentric, and we we know of people like her, and we know of people like Alan Partridge. I I I dare say I I fringe on Partridge quite a bit. Well, there is a, twi- a Twitter account, isn't there? Accidental Partridge. Yeah, exactly. That's that, like a threat, like you say, usually on someone like Richard Maybe. Yeah, but. It, 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 yeah, it's very much in the lexicon, I think, and so I, and I, I know sort of that he's regularly quoted and and things, but I've, yeah, I've never seen a whole episode apart, apart from the film. Um, yeah, I, I remember enjoying it. I remember finding it funny. Mm. I think the fact that the whole thing has been kind of like since nineteen ninety one. I mean, there are characters that go on and on and on because they just hit something, but. Alan Partridge being like a parody of TV presenters and mm. and kind of a local celebrity, radio DJs especially. I mean, this is what the film kind of leans into. Um, you know, it's it, it's just kind of evergreen. 
I and I think I think that's why it suits so many different formats. I mean, I've, I've yeah, I think I've so. loved the 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 audiobook and and uh, you know it's and it's funny just just hearing him in as a podcast as well. Isn't yeah, it? Uh, he's done pretty. And he, I think he's got a live yeah. show as what strategy. Yeah, yeah, you know, like just it. It, there's something there's something so evergreen about it because he feels like a real person he really does there's there's something there's something mm. so human about him and there's a real sadness to Alan Partridge as well there, there's a real kind of someone who is kind of a bit chat on by the world that's why in the UK office everyone likes the bit where David Brent finally has enough of that bully guy and tells him to shut up and get out of his face and whatever like because yeah. because we can take it so much, but then then we start seeing ourselves in them, and we want them to succeed just a little bit. And yeah, and I think I think that's one of the sort of great strengths of the film is the fact that it doesn't mess with the formula too much. It, and it, it's got some you know really really kind of great actors. Colmini is is the villain of the whole piece. The basic story is is that Alan Partridge is a an aging DJ at North Norfolk Digital. There's a huge corporate takeover happening, and um, uh, masterminded by uh, Jason Greenall, I think is the character's name, played by uh, Nigel Lindsay. And and Colmini is is the sort of he and Alan Partridge are, are the last of the old guard of of radio DJs, your kind of classic eighties or nineties DJs, you know, with the funny jumpers and everything. So things are being modernised, and it's looking like one of them is for the chop and Alan kind of is put up to go up, go and speak to them. And he sees that his name is kind of on the, it's either Pat Farrell or Alan Partridge. And he decides to save his own skin and, uh, and writes on a flip chart, just sack Pat. So Pat is sacked and he comes back in with a rifle at the launch party and a siege happens. And and Pat Farrell is is insisting that he can only speak to Alan Partridge. He's the go-between. So Alan has to be sent back in uh, after being briefed by the police and uh, will act as the go-between to try and negotiate the hostages, i.e. the party guests, being released. And, yeah, it's it's... It doesn't sound particularly funny as a thing, and there are some like genuine kind of like dark moments. There are some kind of real realism type things, but I think I think it it plays with it really quite well. There's the the danger is real, but you never feel like it's going too dark or too kind of uh, unfunny for most of the most of the time. Colin Meany plays it exceptionally well. He's really really mm. good in this. He's a proper sympathetic villain because you you really get get his whole thing him being sort of angry at at the establishment he doesn't know about partridge's betrayal but you know more and more of his story kind of comes out as he's just chatting all he wants to do is is chat to his audience you know he just wants to he just wants to make small talk on the on the air and that's something i can't relate to at all <laughs> you know so that's it and it's a celebration of inconsequential radio chit chat you know the 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 one line which is always uh, in the trailers and things like that is, uh, you know, today we're discussing which is the worst monger, rumor, fish, iron, or war. <laughs> you know, it just, you know, it, it's so ridiculous. But then you listen to morning radio or whatever, and it's, it is like that. <laughs> they have airspace to fill, 
and sometimes it has to be just waffle. As a showcase for Alan Partridge being who he is and and whatever, it's great. The, the stakes are a little higher. You know, he's got a romantic type thing with one of the one of the people that is what he likes the fact that they have like some kind of repartee he likes the fact that they ha- they can small talk at each other and come up with different things this this angela and uh and so they have this one thing where they're just talking absolute bollocks to each other and then you know she nips off to the loo or whatever and and he he just kind of stands back and goes wow i enjoyed that <laughs> you know and just to himself and then just moves on Hmm. Uh, there's something so great about him and i yeah there are so many like tim key is he's a he's sidekick simon he's his his hmm. kind of guy on mid-morning masses um sean pertwee is uh is the police captain he only gets it a bit but uh he's really really good and what i like is uh he he says at one point that if if partridge endangers the life of his men or the hostages he it will take off his police uniform and make him pay for it. And he said, you want me to buy your police outfit? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and then he said, no, I'll give you a fucking hiding. <laughs> like, guess right up close to him. But yeah, just awkward things like that. It's so brilliant. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought it would work. I think that the sort of the easy way to do it would be the standard, oh, the British comedy character goes to America. Or, or you know. Yes, I mean, a lot of, programs have tried tv programs comedies have tried to do a film version not many have succeeded yeah and i i think this does it's not quite as funny as something like i'm alan partridge i think i'm alan partridge is just such a well-written sitcom and it's so incredibly quotable but i think in terms of sort of like modern partridge it's really really well done and i think a lot of the jokes aren't necessarily from the situations they're more just the sort of chat they're they're more it, it's more to do with the cringiness of it. It's it's more to do with the, the cringeworthy nature of of Alan. It's to do with him just being on a on a different level to everyone else. Like in terms of you know he he thinks he's more famous than he is. He then starts seeing the siege mm. because he's the go between. He starts seeing the siege as like a an opportunity for him to to uh, improve his stock and get more famous and be on TV more. I always hesitate to review comedies on this in general, talk about comedies, because you end up just repeating the jokes. I've said this before, that it's just you talk about your favorite jokes and then that's it. But with um, with, with Alpha Papa as, as a thing, I think that the whole thing is genuinely funny. I think there are some genuinely touching moments. And and I like the fact that they've kept like a weird continuity throughout the whole thing. If you watch Know Me Knowing You with Alan Partridge, and then and then go to so you know that he's lost his BBC gig, and then you go to then you go to kind of I'm Alan Partridge, and after that, like you've got characters from I'm Alan Partridge appearing in this. So you've got his long-suffering assistant Lynn, played by Felicity Montague, who is so good. She's the classic mousy assistant who sees through alan's ridiculousness but you know is very fond of him and um and you've got michael the uh the geordie who seems to follow him around he just seems to be working wherever alan has to go and um yeah 
Simon Greenall, I think, plays him, and he, it, he is incredibly, incredibly funny. He's the voice of the compare the makeup makeup. Simon Greenall? Hmm. Weird. I didn't know that. So, yeah, it, I just really, really like this film. This this was actually a contender for the sort of feel-good movies list as well, because I like, hmm. I like, I like the whole Alan Partridge thing. It's, quite, it's sort of... Oh. Because there's there's like a sort of car chase in there as well. There's like a sort of a not like a gunfight, but it's all kind of epic stuff done on a really small Norfolk scale. Yeah, well that's it. It it doesn't have the big movie set pieces. Like it, more things happen in this than they would in the in the TV show. But like, yeah, it it keeps it real and gritty. Like this ends on Chroma Pier, and Chroma is is known for its crab. Chroma crab is always nice, but uh, you know it's it's like a a seedy kind of seaside pier type thing. It it it's kind of epic in in a very little Englander type way, which is which is what Alan Partridge is. He is a little Englander. He always that's that's his deal. He's he's a bit close minded. He's a bit kind of he doesn't know all the things he doesn't know. I think is probably the best way to put it. But there are even things like in terms of continuity and everything, like there's even one bit where he picks up a bass guitar and he does a little riff on it, which he was air basing to in I'm Alan Partridge. Like there, there's there's proper care to the character. And I like the fact that they held the uh, the premiere of this in the Hollywood cinema in Norwich, although he did then go to Leicester Square for the actual premiere. But uh, he did, he did show up, and there's a there's a mural of Alan Partridge on the side of the cinema, which I have I have made a pilgrimage to. I have a photo of. Uh, yeah, I I just I just love this character, and and I think the movie does him right. You know, I think I think mm. as you said, with with the sort of upping of the stakes or whatever, they tend to lose what makes a character special and what makes them work on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah. And they don't with this. And I, I think, yes, maybe if this is your only exposure to Alan Partridge, it, it's not the worst. It, it's, you, can, you can see why people like him um, and, and the fact he is very cringeworthy uh, is, is you know, part of his charm. That's one of the good things about the British comedy creation. They, they often say the, the sad little man type thing. And that's that's kind of who he is. There is there is tragedy to him, but but you know there are recognizable things. He wants to be liked. He desperately wants to be thought of cool, which but he yeah. has a very warped idea of what that is. Well, you can relate to that. I absolutely can. Yeah, now for bad. I mean, yeah, no, okay. no, I know, but, but it's true. But but we all, I think we all kind of have this in us. This is this is the the thing. Whenever I I kind of meet new people, and I'm, and I'm always like kind of desperate to say more funny things and jokes and whatever because I think that's just that's just the quickest way to you know to get people to like you and whatever that sort of desperation that sort of thing. There is an element of that in all of us, and and I think a lot of comedy characters do have that sort of thing that that reflection of of the audience. And I think the Alan Partridge thing is is something that we don't like admitting <laughs> that we have, but we all do. <laughs> and, and yeah, people people can be completely 
Alan Partridge like, and that's why the accidental Partridge thing is so evergreen, because because there are always celebrities making inane tweets about something or talking about visiting, you know, something something bird sanctuary or talking about things that they have no understanding of or whatever and it, it it's all just weird and it, it's it's kind of indefinable but also instantly recognizable as a thing as a partridgeism and and that's what makes it great and the fact that you know it was a it was a sitcom i'm on partridge was a sitcom that ran for two series and yet it's still held up as one of the sort of best british comedies it's that's something I know Faulty Towers is only one series, but you know that's. No, Faulty Towers was two. Was it? I yeah. did not know that. So, you know, I think there's a there's a lot like, um, I think The Office and Extras as well only did two series in a Christmas special because mm. I think that they, uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant said at the time, things like Faulty Towers, um, I'm Alan Partridge. Sort of knowing to quitting while they're ahead rather than sort of going on and becoming less, less and less. But I will never tire of Alan Partridge as a thing. As long as they keep it kind of feeling like him, then then it's it's always going to work because it, he doesn't get any less. It doesn't get any less true as a thing. He is he is the the uncle uncle who is desperate to be liked. He is you know you 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 slightly racist granddad who just reads the daily mail and and whatever like that although i don't think he's actually like traveled that well in terms of international kind of renown i you know like mm. mr bean you can't go anywhere without someone knowing who mr bean is yeah but yeah but that's because there's mr bean is wordless so it can translate yes. because there's yeah no... but even even something like yeah, basil faulty people know yeah but faulty tales has been remade in quite a lot of countries Mm. Um, yeah, and an angry hotel owner is, I think, universally transferable because you know everyone is either stayed or knows what a hotel is, and there's always people he can be sort of in in his eyes superior than the thinking of Manuel. Mm. Um, I think in the Spanish version, Manuel is Port- the Manuel character is Portuguese, so there's always that kind of you know, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess looking like somebody who thinks they're superior is looking down on someone. And you can have that in any situation. And Mr. Bean is so popular because it's just, it's slapstick. Yeah, well, that's it's the like thing. It's, Chaplin it's... was popular. It's like how, how universal the silent film era was because they just had to change the title cards. Mr. Bean is in that yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah. One, so I was looking up sort of quotes because, again, it's quite hard to define what what Partridge is about. And uh, but IndieWire apparently wrote that before there was Ron Burgundy for the Yanks, there was Alan Partridge for the Brits. That's a pretty good, yeah. Analog. So, yeah he's yeah. he's kind of got that thing to him. Also, as you say about sort of not not traveling far, it's you know I think it's it is very British and it's regionally you know very north, mm. and it's that kind of that local radio that may, uh, maybe other countries don't have local radio in the in the way that we mm. do. And yeah, Brian Logan in the Guardian said that. Alan Partridge was created as a satire of the asinine fluency of broadcaster speak, but though his development as a character study gives him a timeless quality. So yeah, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Cool. And uh, it, yeah, it's 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 something I've seen quite a few times and always gets a giggle from me. 
That's it. That's my choice for 2013. Alan Partridge, okay. Alpha Papa, Jurassic Park. That's what he says in the show. That's one of his, like, kiss my face. And back of the net. And Spice World. He has these weird catchphrases that don't do anything. But I realised you hadn't seen the show, so I had to explain that. And now this is quite partridge like me explaining the whole thing to the point where it's getting awkward. I'd, no, I'd, I'd, I'd heard uh, I've heard back of the net and see the match as well. Yeah, there's another one. Yeah, so brilliant. So what you got? Cool. I very very nearly went for a uh, Steve Coogan film. I nearly went for Philomena. Ooh, which came that out would have been a good choice too. Yeah, mm, that was good. Uh, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that at the time. And since I've seen it since, uh, I went for 2013's Hummingbird. Joseph, where did you get those clothes? Did you hurt someone? Only myself. I need to keep my life back together. Giant, that's horrible. It's like, boys, you miss your train. They say you're a hard man. It's a hard city. You want to work? Yeah. You know what kind of work I do. Step out of the way, my friend. They seem so together now. I'm like a different person. Finished what I had to do. Last night, they found a girl. Her name's Isabel. Did you love her? What's happening in this city? They want their lives back! Who are you? There are things I have to do. There's enough money to get us away. Why are you running, Joey? You should know how it feels to be down there. You went for Hummingbird? Holy crap, that, yeah, that but... is... That is something that I was not expecting. I was expecting you to maybe go for Snowpiercer because you've enjoyed the TV show and yeah, it does. I enjoyed the film actually, but that was never released here in twenty. That was had like it never really came out here. Well, Rob, you have me at a disadvantage here because I haven't seen Hummingbird. Neither had I, so I picked one. It was just on the shelf, and I thought um, when I was looking through the list of films, it was like oh, okay. Also, Tom McRae has a song called Hummingbird, or the Hummingbird song. <laughs> Um, so it stars Jason Statham. The Stath. Jason Statham. Uh, we've not done a, a, a oh. film by the Stath on here. Oh, I did the Italian Job remake, but that, that never made yeah, it to that end. doesn't. That seems like a massive oversight. We haven't covered the Stath. No, no, not at all. We haven't done Crank. Mental. We need uh, to. We <laughs> need to talk about Crank at some point. Holy shit. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. So. Well, we're talking about the Stath right now. Jason Statham gives the performance of his career as Joey, an ex-Special Forces officer who comes home from the Afghan war a shattered man. Broke, homeless, lost in a haze of drugs and booze, he attempts to piece his life back together with the help of sister Christina, a nun helping the poor. But when he's employed as a collector for a local mob boss, Joey learns the identity of a friend's murderer and, bent on revenge, finds himself sinking deeper into a dark world of violence in this brutally Brutally, brutally powerful action. It's brutal. It's yeah. It's beautiful and brutal. It's brutal. Drive. That would be brutal. Yeah. 
Only God forgives, I would actually argue, as well. Yeah. Or the other one that I damn near picked, because Ryan Gosling was in quite a lot that year, um, Place Beyond the Pines. I watched that, and yeah, I, I didn't go <laughs> I didn't click on no. that. No. No. It, it's a weird bait and switch, that film, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, so, so oh, uh, it was directed by Stephen Knight, who uh, I think is his uh, directorial debut. He's also you know, done Peaky Blinders and a lot of the Dickens adaptations on uh, on the telly at the moment. He did A Christmas Carol and currently Great Expectations. Nice. So it stars Jason Statham, Agatha Pizek, Christian Brassington, Vicky McClure, uh, sorry, Vicky McClure, and Benedict Wong. Wong. <laughs> Benedict Wong, as in. I think I got every single name there. Yeah. Wrong. Yeah. Benedict Wong, yes, as as as, as Wong from Doctor Strange. Yeah. So yeah, so this film is, or as the actually, I didn't read the description of it. I just put the DVD. Well, in the <laughs> you 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 said um, that he gives the performance of his career. Does he? It's a very different Jason Statham film. And actually, the film didn't go at all how I thought it was. I thought it was going to be more like a John Wick revenge-style thing. Mm-hmm. So basically, it starts off uh, with some drone footage of the war on terror and then cuts to drone footage of going over London. And it's filmed mostly at night, I think. There's a few bits in the day, but it's mainly set at night. There are these thugs uh, going and kicking in cardboard boxes with homeless people sleeping in them. And one of them is Jason Statham with long hair. Well, he's one of the homeless people. He's not one of the thugs. So he gets chased and runs up a flight of like uh, some uh, emergency stairs. What's it called? Fire escape stairs. Sorry. Um, emergency stairs works as well. Emergency stairs. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, look, I got what you meant, but yeah, yes, I knew that there was a phrase for it. But I love, I love the emergency stairs. If I ever need a stepladder for anything, it's now the emergency, <laughs> the emergency stairs. stairs. <laughs> yep. So he goes. Up the emergency stairs and in through an open window into a very nice apartment where he hi- hides and the person goes away, uh, the, the, the pursuer goes away. He wakes up to find that it's well, um, that the apartment he's in is empty and very nice. So he makes himself breakfast and as he's about to leave, he hears on the phone that the person is out of the country until October the 1st. And it's in February, I think it starts in. So he just stays there. He... Spends all the money, like because there's a bank card's been delivered. He goes and spend, spends all the money and gets really drunk. He starts wearing the guy's clothes. He gets drunk and then has sort of wanders through the streets in a sort of a, as it says, a haze of drink and drugs and starts seeing hummingbirds fly, uh, flying around, flying around the apartment and stuff. And flashbacks of um, his time in Afghanistan. He goes to a homeless shelter and tries to give or gives a nun who's serving food um a lot of money and asks after um the other girl who ran away who from the people who were beating up the homeless people she then has a debate with her mother superior about what to spend it on and she basically spends the money on herself which the mother superior was okay with so she buys a ticket for the russian ballet mm. um some neighbors knock on the door and then he passes himself off as the guy's boyfriend and says that he's there to sort himself out. So he then decides to sort himself out. He cuts his hair, um, starts working out and getting back in shape. Get, and he gives up all, gives up the alcohol and the drugs. He then starts working in a kitchen, and then as a pot washer. And then there's this sort of montage of him earning more money and becoming a pot washer, then becoming a chef, 
and then um, he has to in a Chinese restaurant. And he has to deal with some thugs, and the owner of the Chinese restaurant sees him. And I thought at this point he's going to put him back on the street and say, "You're you know you're, you're too violent. You're no good for us." But he takes him to a mob boss played by Ben Nick Wong, who then makes him a driver and go around sort of collecting money and you know running drugs and things. And he so you you have this montage of him. Um, doing all this stuff, getting in deeper with the mob, and uh, d- so doing increasingly worse things, and earning more and more money, and hiding in this guy's fridge in the in the apartment he is, and there, but also at the same time, buying pizzas for the uh, for the homeless shelter, then buying Chinese food, and sort of giving giving them loads of donations, and being known as I think Joey the Angel, the nun, he, he sort of talks more and more to, and they go to an art gallery together. And she finds out that the girl who's looking for us has been has been beaten to death and dumped in the river, and this the the London is kind of not like another character, but London's this horrible, grimy place. It's as I say, it's mainly set at night, and it really put me in mind of uh, Dirty Pretty Things. And it turns out Stephen Knight wrote that as well. Oh, okay. In the what, it's it's almost well. well I just sorry. looked up who who he actually was, and I was like, mostly set at night and whatever. This sounds a bit like Locke, and he did that as well. Did it, Stephen? Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know he did. Like yeah, that. but yeah. So it, it it's almost like yeah the the underbelly of like not the sort not the glass uh, the the glitzy glamour of London uh, of city life. It's the it's this and and not sort of like the Cockney white boy thing it, of like Kingsman. It's just grimy and horrible and like the sort of stuff you wouldn't see. Occasionally, you see you have drone footage and stuff. Um, he gets really close to. I think Sister Christina was the nun, I think. Oh, wow. I just looked up. Sorry, Stephen, yeah. Stephen Knight, one of the three creators of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, right. I did that. Yeah, I bet he's quids in on that. And yeah, creator yeah. of Peaky Blinders and things like that. But yeah, he's he's a talented dude, clearly. And he gives a lot back. He's he's building a film studio in the Midlands, I think, to, to sort of keep a lot of filming there, which is good. Wow. So, oh, there's a bit where he... Um, he so he 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 wants to find out what happens. Uh, who killed his friend? So he goes to find the thugs who are knocking at the homeless people, and they pull a knife on him. So he pulls out a spoon and says, "You got a knife? I've got a spoon," <laughs> and then beats them up. Not with a spoon, but you know he gets the information he needs and 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 says and and, and that the girl was killed by a a, bus, a businessman who who likes to beat up sex workers. So then that's the focus of how can he get this name. Um, the nun has gone to the police about the girl, but the you know the police won't do anything because she was a homeless person and they they're, they're not interested. Uh, Sister Christina's backstory is that she wanted to be a well, she was a gymnast who wanted to be a uh, to, to be a, a, a ballet dancer, but she was abused by her coach, and at the age of ten, she killed him and was sent to a convent instead of prison because she was too young. Um. So they become really close and she gets drunk and they have a, they share a kiss and then go their separate ways. Joey has a daughter with Vicky McClure and who's never met him. And so he gives them all this money, gives them all the money and sort of has the nun take nice pictures of him. So she's got something to remember him by. And um, everything is going to, everything is building up to October the 1st. Um, the October 1st is when, the uh, is when the guys come back from holidays, when the ballet is, which the nun is sure, isn't sure whether she's going to go or not. 
um it's also the oh he he um he gets the name from the uh, from a a, a, a a a chinese mob boss because he smuggles uh, he he runs a uh, sorry he smuggles some people in a lorry um and learns that this businessman's going to be on on a rooftop party on october the 1st so everything is building up to october the 1st and i i kind of assumed it would be this uh, that he'd almost have to you know beat those people up until he into, until he got the right name and but it, it, it's not it's kind of, it, it's a stra- it's a strange film it's not it isn't i mean there are quite violent bits in it but it's not like it's not action packed like a john wick film where it's just him beating up sort of goons for for for, for 90 minutes or whatever yeah, um, I, I I must admit, before you said about the sort of him him hallucinating and seeing hummingbirds, I did think maybe hummingbird was like his army name because he can punch faster than than most people. <laughs> you know, I'm the hummingbird, and then you know, no, it's it's a, it's a really um, it, in some ways slow film, but I don't mean slow as in boring. I mean it's it's quite uh, quiet, methodical. Yeah. Um, it is a very he is a very different Jason Statham to what you usually see him in because he's not like the tough, wisecracking guy. He can handle himself, but it's sort of as he's doing it, you do feel a bit sad for him that he's that this is kind of what he's stuck into. He could, because he's homeless, he can't go to hospital get a, or get a flat or anything, you know, of his own. So he's kind of always outside the system. Is he a bit like uh, um, Nico Bellic in in Grand Theft Auto Four? Where I've not played. Oh well, it, where he's he's uh, he's an immigrant from uh, Russia, and and he 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 took part in the, you know the wars and things like that, and he he moves to New York with his because uh, his cousin lives there, and he thinks that he's going to have you know he's going to live the American dream, but actually what happens is that he gets deeper and deeper into criminality and things like that because he's useful and he you know he's used as a driver and a drug mule and all that, so. It, yes, it's kind of. I mean, he, he he's willing because yeah, yeah. because he, he he wants to 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 save it the money. Um, he he and then oh, at some point he and then consummate their relationship. They do a sex and and he uh, at that point the owner of the apartment comes back and they escape through the emergency stairs <laughs> and. Um, oh, I think I seem to have misplaced my trousers. The, Fetch me the emergency <laughs> stairs. Uh, Sister Christina goes to the ballet and says, you, you, "You know, please come along and watch." But Joey goes to this rooftop party where he finds the businessman, and again, I kind of assume he'd like, you know, beat him to a pulp or something. Or, but he just he just picks him up, just chucks him off the roof, and and that's it. And um, he then sort of, sort of leaves the party and gets himself uh, drunk again. And he then exp- uh, he's he's collapsed on the passed out on the floor, and uh, Sister Christina sees him. I don't think, I'm not sure she's looking for him, but she finds it comes across him anyway, and sits with him, or puts her blanket over him, and sits with him till he wakes up. And then he starts crying and explains what why he's on the run because when he was in um, when he was in Afghanistan, he would uh, he did some revenge killings for. He said they they killed five of my men, so I killed five of theirs. But it was kind of unsanctioned, so he was he's fleeing a court martial, which is why he was on the streets. Right. And he said that if he does if he doesn't drink, he um he knows he can do bad things, and he you know he's good at killing people. 
So that's why he stays drunk. And the hummingbird is what they call the drones because they're they're buzzing around everywhere. Uh-huh. And so he um, she leaves. She she's put in a transfer to Africa to a, to a, to a convent in Africa because she's too involved with Joey and um, is distracted from her purpose. Well, she's so, done a sex. That's that's against the nun code, the, isn't it? The nunvention. Um, on. In a taxi on the way home, um, sorry, on the way to, on, to the, on the way to the airport, she's she was she was given a um, an envelope, which is a letter from Joey, which has got some of the photos she took of him and an explanation that he gave all the money to. Well, he 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 left enough money for, to cover to to repay what he'd taken from the guy's bank account and and to cover everything he'd broken and all the rent that was owed. The rest he gave to his ex partner and daughter. And he said, I've read the city of a bad man, but that doesn't make me a good man. And he just goes back onto the streets. And it, the film ends with, the, with this sort of drone saying that they, you know, they can see him and they're pursuing him, but then the film ends. So you don't know whether they found him or not, or whether he just sort of slipped off the radar. Oh, that's again. really sad. It's a, it, it's, it's a very good film. It's a very difficult, oh, sorry, difficult. It's a very different film. It's not your typical Jason Statham film. It's not, you know, Hobbs and Shaw. It's not that kind of cheeky snatch character that he is that he plays really well mm. he, he's he's um he, he's a broken man and i i really enjoyed it I'd, I'd watch it again i recommend it wow well there you go i will watch it uh yeah it, it certainly sounds as i said it i thought it was just a standard state thing i thought this was good this was yes. like yeah you know the transporter where he's 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 smoking fools yeah jason statham yeah. he'll knock you out son Cool, and that was and that was the first time viewing as well. And you were you were pleasantly yeah, yeah, surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it it didn't go at all how I thought it would, because uh, I also thought you, you, he might find out that the girl was killed by the mob he was working for. Right. Yeah. But no. no. It, it 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 wasn't, and yeah, it's no, it's, it's a good it's, it's a good film. Fantastic! I will check it out then. Well, there you go. Two polar opposites. I know. Both set in the UK, though. Both set in the UK. We went. We went British this time. So hooray for us! You could say it's both about men down by a system, I guess. <laughs> if we're trying to find a link, sure. They both drive cars. Although Alan Partridge does have the uh, the the lip syncing to "Cuddly Toy" by Roachwood, which is always funny. That's the opening credits. Does Jason Statham do any lip syncing in this one? Can't win them all. He does take a nun to a to a photo gallery where there's lots of where it's like a naked photography. Uh, naked photography. And, and get, there's get... a bit where Alan Partridge gets his naked ass. Uh, he has his photo taken as he tries to escape the thing, and his trousers are left in the window. And then a paparazzi takes a picture of him with his pants down. So naked photographs. We found we found some connective tissue there. Hello, Editor Ben here. Yeah, somehow we missed the fact that both titles have to do with birds. It's staring us right in the face. We are fools. Is that the film where he drives along shouting at someone that there's no yeah, fog? Yeah, that's, that's the, the, the Roachford thing, off. yeah. He yeah. notices that the fog lights are... The, the, your fog lights are on. There's no fog. There's no fog. I do often think <laughs> that when I'm driving behind people like the fog. Yeah. This, this, this isn't funny. It's, it's uh, unflinching and gritty. There are some comic bits in. Um, but yeah. Well, we definitely had yes, very different experiences for 2013.
That's good though. I yes, I would not in a million years have predicted you'd have gone for Hummingbird. Did you say you had it on your shelf? You just got it a while ago and just not watched it. It was like in a set of something. Ah, uh, what the Stath collection? Yeah, with the Expendables and uh, I don't think I've seen the other films in the box either yet. But no, it was, uh, yeah, it was, I was pleasantly surprised. Good shit. Okay, so who has picked? One thing, sorry, one thing about this. In America, it's called Redemption. Right. Which I think there's quite a few films that must be renamed. <laughs> the Raid Redemption, the Raiders, yeah. Re- yeah. Uh, I guess it's just one in, of those words that has more cash in. In France, it's called Crazy Joe. Yeah, well, that works too. In Germany, it's called Redemption. Bless you. Yeah, no, I recommend it. Oh, well, I will watch it based on your recommendation. I suppose the title of Redemption actually kind of gives away the whole game, doesn't it? I guess so. It it is a bit. It is a sad ending because. Well, it sounds yeah. like 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 he yeah he's just back to square one, but he's just managed to find hmm. some peace with with kind of by living someone else's well, life he, for a bit. Yeah. Well, he gave. Yeah, he set his ex partner and daughter up with a lot of money, which I guess was him. Him doing well for uh, for them, and as he said, he rid the city of one good, uh, one bad man. Gave mm. the street cleaners more work to do, though, bastard. True, you know, they probably didn't even have the equipment. They probably have they have those steam things to pick up like chewing gum and that. They don't have corpse disposal shit, do they? So that's our twenty thirteen. What a weird double yep. bill. I, I, if you are planning on double billing these, I would probably watch Hummingbird first. <laughs> um, yeah. And finishing on Alpha Papa. But yeah. No, it sounds good. It sounds good. I will watch it. Good shit. Yeah, well, we'll put it to you, the people. The people. We want your opinion. Who has picked the most 2013 film. It's weird. It's not the better film as such, because I was going to go on a bit of a Trumpian rant about how I don't like the fact that you've changed the voting somewhat. I, I you know, like, huh? well, it's just often it's like the best film or whatever, and people will go for that, the one they've seen or whatever, and I tend to lose with that. I don't really, so, so, otherwise, what, what am I asking? I mean, if for the weather thing, if I said which one film has the best weather, it's still the day after tomorrow because it had the most weather. In. <laughs> no, but the most doesn't mean the best. Picking, I never said it picking the best. one just... thing and doing it well. Okay, well, what should I ask for this film? No, for, for as I said, question? it's difficult this time because it is just the only time. The only time it was difficult was when we did box office bombs on which is the best. Yeah, I know, but that's the thing. <laughs> but who has the best pick? Who has made their case? best i think is always the question but with this you can't have the most 2013 movie unless it deals with something in 2013 which neither of our films really do well i mean arguably mine deals with the people coming back from uh, the, the war in afghanistan and the lack of resources to adequately integrate people back into society and a growing homeless problem and the gulf between rich people and poor people and what rich people think they can do to poor people. Yeah, I suppose mine is about the modernisation and, and streamlining of media and how everything's yeah, going from local yeah. radio to like a corporation type thing. It's becoming more faceless. And it is a place for older, older people in the yeah. media. Yeah, exactly. So there just happens to be a scene. And whether it's okay to poo in a tray. Yeah, 
Yeah, we. Well, it, it, this is lunchbox. Yeah, I didn't like that. That bit does feel a little weird, but then it's Michael who is weird anyway, so that's fine. But uh, there, are, yeah, there are so it, it, surprisingly decent soundtrack in uh, Alpha Papa as well, and uh, a good use of um, "You Were Always on My Mind" by Willie Nelson. They don't use the Top of Crazy Hummingbird song in the film Hummingbird. No, good. That's a point in its favour in my book. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you very much for your time and thank you for listening. We'd love to have your feedback. Please email podcast at thepopcornbucket.com. You can find us on Instagram at popcornbucketpod or over on Twitter at popcornbucketpd. Many thanks to Lawrence Owen of Longcat Media for the theme music. If you're able to, it'd be great if you can rate the episode wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe and share. Many thanks. Take care and see you next episode. Spice World. Also, if I don't like, well, I don't mind Tom Cruise music, but I don't get the whole thing about him. Does that make me a Macratheist? No, he had a blog called the Macratheist. Oh, so that is what the fans are called, are they? Uh, I, I don't think there's a collective term for them because we're not teenage girls, but I guess so. You're not believers? Jesus, that's... Sherios apparently is what um, a cheering fans are called. Oh, God, really? <laughs> I quite like that. Oh, I know Taylor Swift had Swifties. Swifties, yeah. Um, didn't Lady Gaga have Monsters? Wasn't that? Yeah, but that's what she called them. Though, yeah. Right? Yeah. I... Cheerios, my God. I find it weird that um, to be an obsessive thing, someone will say they're a stan of something. I... Which comes from I find that weird. About... I find that weird as well. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're obsessive to the point of um, homicide and suicide. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I no, I yeah, I've I've often found that. Yeah, I stand that. I kind of whatever. And it's just like, yeah, that's about the unhealthy relationship. I know you're kind of doing yeah. it as like an ironic thing and whatever, but it. I'm not sure people are. No, I think it's, it's it's probably been so far away from. No, but yes, it like is sort of its, its origin. Yeah, it is completely about the unhealthy obsession that that people have with celebrities. The fact that Stan feels that Eminem is is just talking to him, and you know, and all yeah. that stuff, and and yeah. Imagine if you're a Stan of Dido, and that must be horrible for her because mm. she was in the video. Yeah. I know, and she's having such a shit day. Her tea had gone cold and everything. <laughs> such, such a dated reference. <laughs> <laughs>